Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad that you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. Thank you very much, worship team. Well, as Steve mentioned, today we are starting a new series, uh, Surviving the Wilderness. And today we have a guest speaker, Pastor Ryan's away the next uh, two weeks, so um, we're grateful to be able to give him a a little break, and uh, hopefully he's getting some relaxation this week. Um, Today we are joined by Fritz Maurer. Uh, For those of you who have been around here for a while, you might remember Fritz. He's uh, been here a few times to preach in the past. He's also done a uh, parenting uh, uh, conference here for us, as well as a uh, marriage seminar. So uh, Fritz is not a stranger to St. Paul's. He's a good friend. Uh, He is the owner and counselor and coach at Regeneration Therapy and Counseling, which provides mental health counseling, needs of individuals, couples, and families um, in, in the northeast corner of Connecticut. Um, and we are very grateful to have him here today. He is joined by his wife, Gretchen. They've been married for 43 years. Yeah. <laughs> and he also has some friends with him, so thank you uh, for joining him. You know you made it big when you come in with an entourage like him. <laughs> and then he, uh, right now he also has two offices. One's in Danielson, one's in Stores Mansfield. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we've had this uh, in our What's Happening. It's been in our announcements in the past. Um, if you're ever in need of counseling services, we have a, a kind of like a deal with Fritz that we will cover the first three um, sessions for you. So, and then if it seems to be a good fit for you, you guys can uh, take it from there. But um, so, if you're ever in need of or know someone who's in need of counseling, please let us know. We, we will get you connected with Fritz. But um, if you don't mind coming forward, Fritz, that'd be great. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today. I'm going to get my clock, otherwise I'll be here a while, right? Uh, It's good to be back this morning on my heart. And when um, uh, Pastor Ryan called, Fritz, would you like to And I said, we need to talk about this because I'm in a bit of a wilderness experience. And he said, isn't that interesting? That's what we're going to be talking about. So, um, I also would say maybe a bit of the dark night of the soul, and, um, but that's my process. I'm here about talking about some of the ways we move through that wilderness experience. We know from the story in the, in the Bible about the Israelites coming out of Egypt and going to the promised land. And as you may recall, they got to the edge of the promised land after so much, and God had shown them so much, and uh, that he was with them. They sent them into the land. How many spies were there? There we go. I'm going to test you this morning. <laughs> Twelve spies go in, and they all came back. Two of them, Caleb and uh, who else? Joshua. They came out and said, yeah, we got it. It's flowing with milk and honey. God's with us. Let's go in. The rest of the spies said, no. They were overcome by fear and trembling and anxiety. This, the result of 
wandering in the wilderness, as we know, for 40 years. Tragedy in that the Holy had the opportunity to go back in. So using that story as a self, I think, is rightly done. The wilderness experience is something that most people go through, and in fact, I there's no awakening of our spirits and our soul unless we have some type of a wilderness experience. It can be different things for different people. Perhaps a tough time in which a believer endures discomfort and trials, perhaps temptations. The pleasant things of life are unable to be enjoyed or absent altogether. Often can be accompanied by discouragement and despair, as we saw in the song this morning. Often it's a time of intensified temptation. It can be an experience of spirit, financial, or emotional drought. It can keep emotional turmoil as a result of relationships that break betrayal or great loss. For me, it was an experience of wrestling with some really difficult questions as I was seeing around us uh, some things happening in the church that were very discouraging to me. And I really had to sit back after coming through seminary and being pretty sick where I'm at theologically, and that just got thrown up in the air again. And I had to do some wrestling. So on the other side of that, though, is a God who always will meet us in the wilderness. He's always with us. Amen? He's always there. There are people in my office questions like, how can I go on for it? I don't know. How can I go on? How do I get through this? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to us? God's purpose in all of this? Or will this ever end? How many of you have asked maybe questions similar to that? My desire this morning is to help you think about how to get through that wilderness experience. He used the word. I'm going to use biblical inoculation to build to the wilderness experience, and we're going to go to Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. Philippians chapter four, six through seven. The other thing that Pastor Ryan did, he says, I've been thinking about, this. and I said, Pastor, that's like my favorite verse. I quote it all the time. I share it with people. I said, okay, this is this has got to. Be Coming here together and opportunity again. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says there, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Christ Jesus. Amen. God, we thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for these people who have come out on a cold morning to hear your word, to be in community one with another, and to be in communion with you. Thank you for the words as we have the opportunity to sing. Thankful for our lives, we pray. Amen. So what is anxiety? Many people can say, yeah, I've experienced anxiety. It's a normal human emotion. In fact, we 
uh, from studies that anxiety is a result of that fight or flight, the parasympathetic kicking in. Did you know that amygdala, the small part of our brain that's responsible for that kick of the fight or flight, is only about the size of your thumbnail, about the size of an almond. That little part of your brain controls so much of many people's lives. Yet we have so much more of our brain available, but yet that part seems to control. Now certainly it it's, has its place. It has its place to and serve us because sometimes we need to fight. Or if some safety issue comes up, we need to take action. So the fight, flight, or freeze. Sometimes we need to turn and run. Some people freeze. You ever had that deer in the headlight look? You ever, especially if you've lived here long enough, you've seen deer on the side, on the road, jumping out in front of you. I cycle for exercise, and I've had some deer. I had one time came out and just running alongside me down the road. I thought, that's really neat. I'm glad he's going with the same way I'm going. <laughs> you know, But there's that freeze response. Now, trauma, significant trauma, can really get a person stuck in the freeze response. And there's, for, there's ways to help people work through that severe trauma and the anxiety and oftentimes post-traumatic stress that can be associated with extreme experience. So anxiety and self-intense, excessive and persistent worry or fear. It can experience fast heart rate. Think about this now. If you feel, uh, feel anxiety, where do you carry it in your body? I'm always asking that in my office. Some people say that their shoulders will get tight. They'll feel it in their back. They'll feel it in their throat, in their chest or their stomach. And that's because the, um, the vagus nerve, which is attached back here, just kind of lights up like a Christmas tree. And it tends to freeze us up or get us ready to take action. So the scriptures here says, do not be anxious. Now how many of you, when you hear that at first, think, well, how is that possible? Well, for it's that like, now I feel guilty and ashamed because I'm experiencing anxiety. And something's not lining up with what God is telling me to do. Now I do think there is an aspect of command here. I like to think about it as an opportunity to be responsible for taking care of what's going on inside of me. So the reality is if we go through the scriptures, we know Paul experienced anxiety. He was worried at times about his travels. He was worried about the Gentiles. He was worried about other believers. And so he experienced that. Even Jesus experienced anxiety. I didn't know that. Maybe you do. But he fretted. Remember, he stood over Jerusalem. He said, oh, I wish I could gather you all together. He had tears in his eyes. He cried when Lazarus, his friend, died and he saw the people around weeping. He cried uh, when he saw disciples walk away from him. And he turned to his own twelve and said, are you going to leave me too? He was afraid of being abandoned by the people that he loved so desperately and deeply. He was so fearful and anxious in the Garden of Gethsemane before his death that it says that he sweated blood. Anxiety is a normal process. It's how we manage it, how we overcome it that is important. Well, how do you do that? This verse is great. This verse flows. There's a sense to it. I really I share this with people and actually practice it in my office. 
It first says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. This is a how. We engage. We do something. So when we feel stuck, how many of you have ever said that? I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. You can pray. You can always pray. And the idea here, supplication, there's the idea that it's an interactive prayer. I'm making a request of God. I'm making it out before Him. It's a type of prayer where we come humbly and earnestly seeking to ask God to provide something for us. The original language gives the inter- kind of the indication that it's an interactive process. So it's not just sitting and just letting this give and take back and forth. And it's a wonderful experience when practiced. Then it goes on to say, with thanksgiving, those requests be made known. Now it's interesting when talking to Pastor Ryan, we, we talked about the uh, gratitude, and that's really the inoculation to anxiety is gratitude. And when I started looking in the scriptures, I, do you know that in the a couple of times they actually used the word gratitude? So I'm like, hmm, so what am I going to do now, you know? But I think actually works well here. You could translate. There are some versions that translate this and with gratitude. Coming and making those requests with gratitude in our hearts. An expression of thanks. This word in the original Greek is uh, Eucharistos. But the idea of communion and, and some of our uh, friends in the, in the uh, high church, Roman Catholic and Episcopalian and such, use that word. So the idea is that we're not only um, uh, we're giving of ourselves, we're coming, we're being given something. See, it's that interaction. It's an interaction. Gratitude then is actually an have received. There's an interaction here between prayer and I believe expectancy. I expect. And I stand on faith that God hears prayers and engages with me and with us. It's worth thinking about the wilderness experience with God. And many people often think He's distant. And yet He's right with us all the time, always present in fullness. really this gratitude begins to engage us in a deeper inner experience. So the problem at times for many people is they've lost sight of gratitude. You know, there's many challenges in life and uh, many hurt. And I actually was talking to somebody about this in my office this week and the challenges that experienced over many years. Uh, and I, we came, I don't remember if I brought it up or if the, or the client brought about gratitude, and, and the words were, Fritz, that is so hard in light of all that I've been through. And I said, yeah, I, I, I agree. And yet, that person recognized so many of the things where God was in each step of the way and met that person in a deep way. So what is gratitude? It's a quality of being thankful. It's a readiness to show an appreciation in return, it, it really generates a recognition of someone kind to us. 
So gratitude. Is it an attitude? Sometimes I have actually said that, you know, have an attitude of gratitude. How many have ever heard that? Have an attitude of gratitude. I actually, in my research, started thinking that's not quite right. Um, so gratitude, what is it? It's actually making a choice to recognize what's been given, to see and remember the blessings in what we've been giving. So it's actually an interactive process. It's, you could actually it as either a mood or a trait. The mood is, you know, the sense of that, in this moment I feel gratitude. How many of you have been like really hungry and, or thirsty or somebody gives you a drink or some food? A moment of thankfulness, but it's gratitude that's being, is kind of a mood. It changes you in that moment. Or perhaps you've been rescued from some desperate situation and you're like, oh, wow, thank God. Gratitude starts to rise up and changes the mood. Now, trait is a little different. Our personality is made up of how much is trait and how much is habit. You think it's more habits or more trait? More, it's actually more habits. That's true. Some studies show that trait are about 40% of our personality, the rest is all habits. Which for me as a counselor gives me great you know, joy to think people can change. I can change. Because there's a lot of habits that can be engaged in. So a trait, we can actually build a sense of gratitude working on it that it becomes a trait of our personality. Guaranteed. You walk around and engage with people enough and you will find the ones who have hearts of gratitude or you will run into the complainers and always seeing the worst in things. Who would you rather be around? It's a good question to ask ourselves. So gratitude. It's not necessarily just words. Again, it's being able to look around and in us everything. One writer said, everything somehow comes now. You ate food this morning, you woke up in a warm building, probably most of you. You're here in a warm building, you're singing, you're communing with us. From our breath, breath that we breathe, the food that we eat, the sun rising and setting, if we are able to look through just the chain of events to get us where we are here right now, we can be filled with gratitude for all of the people that are in our lives, for all that we have. I thought of it this way. It's anybody here a pilot? Any pilots in the room? No. Okay. You know what headwind is and tailwind is? Headwind is like the flying wind, the plane is flying in it, so it causes resistance, causes more fuel to be used. The tailwind is from the back end, kind of pushes. So if you're going to Europe or something and you get a good tailwind, you get there an hour early or something, that's the idea. Well, with gratitude, Gratitude is a tailwind. Complaining and grumbling is the headwind. I'd rather be on the tailwind, have the wind behind me, have gratitude pushing me along in anticipation of what is to come, recognizing what's been given from behind. So gratitude is not just about thank being thankful. Openness of what is being provided in our lives and in creation all around us. It's a recognition of what we have 
right in this very moment. The challenge is, I believe it needs to be practiced. It needs to be practiced. Finding, bring, building the awareness and, and uh, having an open experience is so important. Studies show that gratitude offers us a way of embracing life that is much different. It actually in, uh, kind of raises up happy feelings in the parts of our lives. Gratitude encompass, encompasses a willingness to expand our attention. There's just something about it. They've actually done studies and they show that people that practice gratitude regularly and begin to walk in that trait of gratitude actually have better health outcomes, less stress, less hypertension, less depression, less anxiety, all because of a simple shift in a life of Being overwhelmed with gratitude leads to positive health and relational benefits. So when we're in that place, when we take a look at the scripture here, and it says, with thanksgiving, I make my requests and I engage with God. And what's the result? The word says here that the peace of God surpasses all understanding, settles in. Now, I, this is one thing I know for sure because I've experienced it. That there's a peace. People often ask me, Fritz, how do you day in, day out people's problems? And I tried to count it up there a couple years ago about how many hours I've sat face to face to people. I was well over 20,000 hours of sitting and engaging people and listening to problems and certainly some awful life. Just when I think I've heard it all, somebody else comes in with some real deep pain. or uh... But that peace of God, it's because of practicing gratitude, I really believe. Being thankful. Being positive. So this peace is spoken it shuts down the parasympathetic system. It shuts it down. Again, gratitude is that inoculation. It just gets us back into the sympathetic. It kind of gets us back to homeostasis for most people, though some people live in a heightened level, level of, um, of anxiety all the time. This word, peace, here, it's a sense that there's tranquility. It's a quietness of spirit that transcends our circumstances. Think about that. This peace that God promises us quietness that circumstances. How many of you want some of that? It's a very beautiful way to live. It opens us up again to be receptive. I really believe it becomes an interactive process. As I work on gratitude, as I thoughts and my vision to gratitude, it's receptive. I begin to receive and then I'm also now able to give back to others. There's what we call in psychology, it's called the confirmation bias. Whatever you're thinking about, you will tend to pull from your environment to you think. It happens to everybody. Nobody gets off. We all suffer from this. So my contention would be, I'm going to begin pulling into my awareness those things that confirm the way I think and feel. It's just the way it works. 
And in fact, in relationships, we know that if I'm in a place of gratitude, I begin to attract towards me other people of like-mindedness. Or at least other people who are attracted like a bee to a flower, they want something that you have that they don't have. It's basking in the presence of a God who loves us deeply and eternally. I think the hardest part of working with people on the spiritual path counseling is getting them to the place or encouraging them to get to the place of being receptive to gratitude and what God has provided. So we get in this place of gratitude, gratitude, engaging with God in our prayer, making before Him. And I like the idea Gretchen reminded me this morning when we put our like this, like we let it go and we trust God for an answer to those prayers. It says that this peace surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? Surpasses all understanding. Again, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to put words to it. You have to almost experience it. It's like love. We can define love in different ways, but you kind of know it when you're feeling it from somebody. It's the same with gratitude, I think. The peace that we experience is a provision from God, which we are thankful for. I think the sense here is that we can again arise above the circumstances and the challenges of life. It is in this deep and abiding relationship with the divine that we indeed experience a peace that others can't explain. How much more for us as believers in Jesus who died for us and rose again, a God who loves us and is shown by the sacrifice of His Son. I would say it's otherworldly. I would say it's preparing us for a life to come. One theologian that, I, that I've read and uh, listened to, he says it this way. He says, look, you, it says the kingdom of God is here now. It also says it's yet to come. You could do a whole sermon Yet, if it's here right now, he said this, he said, look, you get to experience a little piece of heaven here on earth. Man, this is part of it, people. Peace. A peace that passes all understanding. It's actually preparing us for something even more wonderful on the other side of this life experience. It's otherworldly. Ultimately, it's a taste. It's a taste of what is yet to come. There's an extra benefit here in this verse. We have this peace. So we, we come, we have gratitude in our hearts, we pray, we engage with God, we bring before us, we let go of those, and it says peace will settle in. And then another extra benefit. If that's not enough for you, there's another one here. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. It will guard us. The heart is out. The our emotions, the mind in which we engage the world and the way we think. You know, we know that again, neurons that fire together, wire together. That's why practicing gratitude is so important. The more you do it, the stronger those neurological connections become. And your body, in God's wonderful creation, the chemicals that bind neurons together for our thinking, that's how you remember things. Actually, oh, you want to remember more of that? Well, we're going to give you some more of this. And that's what happens. It will guard us. 
this idea of guarding, it's, a, I think, a stance of readiness to absorb life. The trials and tribulations and difficulties, they are going to come. This suffering and evil, and yet in the midst of it, we can have victory in the midst of what's going on. I submit we can have victory while passing through our wilderness experience. It will guard us. It will keep us above the kind of the current zeitgeist, if I may, if you've ever heard that term. It's the spirit culture around us. It'll keep us above that. It's kind of like head above the water. It's almost like you'd be treading water without having to move your arms and legs. Wouldn't that be fun? Just kind of floating there, above everything. Perfect peace and tranquility. Well, how do you do this? How do you get into the practice? I like to have something practical in my sermons. And uh, one thing I, I know I've mentioned is meditation. Now, you can get all kinds of fancy. And the idea simply is that I'm aware of what I'm thinking about. I'm trying to put that aside and experiencing the present. So in our case here, when you're taking that time to pray, it's actually to sit long enough to experience peace to come upon you. We need to take time to do that. Most of us are just in a rush. Get up, go, 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 go. So when I'm sitting with people, I'm always looking at their daytime and finding the white space. That's the empty spaces where we could perhaps get some of these practices in. Mindfulness, being present. And you can go online and look up all kinds of ways to do it. Uh, I like to, the sitting and maybe a body scan awareness. There's different things. And again, but it's a practice of being fully present and engaged in the present moment. Another way to practice. I don't know about you. I love living up in this part of the state. I actually got lost coming here this morning. I, <laughs> you wouldn't believe that, but I stressed my wife out. She was full of anxiety. <laughs> and I looked at my clock and said, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but we were on some back roads, turned into dirt roads. <laughs> But I like being in the woods, and we were just on business. Beautiful. Why do we go to New Hampshire, Vermont? We got it right here. Nature. Embracing what is around me. Experiencing the peace that can come in the forest settings. I, I used to hunt years ago, and I and against hunting, but I just realized I'd rather leave my gun at home and just sit in the woods and watch. Oh my goodness, things that you would see. So being in the, on the beaches, some of you may like the beach experience in the The reason like beach or uh, watching campfires, movement, it moves your eyes, it actually creates calmness in your brain. That's why most people like it. So engaging in that intentionally. Being on the mountaintops, there's nothing like being, anybody here climbed Monadnock, been on the top, or Mount Washington? Oh my goodness, looking out there, just isn't there an awesomeness to it, just something about it that for me, brings on peace. Music and sound is another way. Engaging in, if you go on YouTube, simply in different types of uh, frequencies, in different ways, that can bring abiding peace. So when I did my sermon, I was listening to nine, 9.99 millihertz. That's what I was listening to to do my sermon. <laughs> so there's just ways on peace. Different types of music. Uh, there's something about music that resonates with us. Uh, we have a, a nephew who's autistic and he loves beating. He'll say, if he comes into a place like this, 
we'd have a hard time getting him away from the speaker up here because he wants to feel the beat or he'd be next to the drummer here just watching. Something about it that resonates with him and actually calms him down. And the sound vibrations penetrate deep. They actually did a recent study. They had people stand in a circle around the table and they had, uh, they had water. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was water with crystals in it. So it must have been slightly frozen. I don't remember the exact setup. But they had people just stand around and think about peaceful thoughts, kindness and compassion. And then they analyzed. It was amazing how those crystals just began to align. And if people thought about anxiety and worry and the, the stuff was just moving, and it, was just, it wouldn't settle in. Another thing, it's just amazing to think about this, but we can have that impact on each other and on our surroundings. So music and sound. These are all ways to get that gratitude going. So my encouragement to you this week, think about it. Where can you begin? No, I'm going to change that. Begin. I'm going to, I'm going to make it declarative. Begin practicing gratitude daily. You can do it. You don't really have to have a special time. Sometimes I pull into my driveway, I step out of my truck and I get my mail, I go back in the truck, I just sit there. I take a few deep breaths. I say, thank you God for what you've given. Thank you God for my wife. Right, just those few moments. And if you have those times here and there, you can do it all day long. All day long. So practicing that on a regular basis is so important. So I'm going to add in here uh, Philippians 4.8. The other thing we can do to practice gratitude is actually that verse. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence and anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Some versions say dwell on these things. So we can do that each. We can do it all sprinkled through the day. And as you begin to practice the art, it's the art of gratitude, you can begin walking through perhaps your wilderness experience and God, knowing God is with you all the time. So I'd like to When I'm busy praying, you wander up. I'll have you wander up now. Wander up now. And I'm going to... How long do you have? Uh, all we need is you. Sorry? All we need is you. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. We'll all right. Sounds good. <laughs> so one of the things I tell people, I know I was here last time, I said the same thing, I'll repeat it, because uh, if you've heard me last time, maybe some of you forgot. But breath, breathing is your friend. Oxygen is your friend. So breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth, taking deep breaths in. So I'm going to have you all do that with me right now. So breathing in and breathing out through the mouth. Now I'm going to make it a little harder. Breathe in four seconds. Hold your breath. Exhale. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. It's called two by breathing. How's that feel? Relaxing? The room got still. 
So by breathing, and when you do that, it tells your brain everything's okay, your shoulders drop, your hips rock backwards, all of that. And to begin doing that, when you're praying is another way to engage in gratitude. When you pray, pay attention to your breathing and do some deep breathing and relax, knowing that God is with us and available. And so, God, I thank you for this time. And... Uh, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to be here this morning, to be able to experience what it means to walk through the wilderness with a heart and mind focused on gratitude. Thank you, God, for giving us our lives, for giving us your life, for loving us deeply and being with us. People, hear this, hear this. The greatest man in history had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet He lives today, and His name is Jesus. And He loves you. He loves me. There's nothing greater than to have gratitude for what He's done. Amen and amen.